0: All right. Good morning. My name is Bill. I'm really happy to uh share the message with you today. I I knew that I'd be following that video and I saw it and it's like pulls at your heartstrings, you know, and to know that this is the 15th anniversary of 911. And then the the band just rocked it today, leading us in worship and and uh just touched my heart in that way too. So so uh I just got to kind of compose myself, you know what I mean? So thanks for bearing with me, but thanks for being here. I'm excited about this message. God's laid it on my heart for some time, and the title is is Moving Forward, and we as a country since 9-11 have had to figure out how to move forward, and that's our goal as Christians on our spiritual journey. As followers of Christ, our goal is, is to move forward. A few weeks ago, the Summer Olympics took place in Brazil, and, and I was... I was watching some highlight videos from NBC Sports, I believe it was, and, and there were short little clips about record-setting times and, and gold medals for the United States and victories. But there was one right in the middle of all these short video highlights about a guy named Wynn. And so why they were showing this video in this highlight package, I, I was a little confused until I saw the whole thing. Check it out. Watch Lane 9. I think I said he was from Jamaica. He was actually from Haiti, as I could read. I mean, can, can you imagine being that guy? You've trained. You've prepared. You've done all the work to become a world-class athlete. And you're in the starting blocks, and the gun goes off, and you've gone, and then you just don't even come close to clearing the first hurdle. I mean, it was a rough first hurdle, and he hit it hard, and the whole hurdle tumbled with him. Now, I think if that was me, I, I, I'm not sure, but I, I think I, I might have just wanted to crawl up in a ball and cry. I would have wanted to crawl over to the infield grass or over next to the bleachers. I would have wanted to to just get out of that stadium and hide. But he gathered himself, composed himself, climbed under that next hurdle, and then he got right back into form, and he just cleared every hurdle, and he kept going, and he kept going all the way. To the finish line. That's pretty impressive to me. That's why that was a part of the highlight video that I watched. And I think that we can learn a valuable lesson from Jeffrey on our spiritual journey. There's times when we crash hard. And all we want to do is just give up. But instead, we need to pull ourselves together, pick ourselves up, and keep going. Keep moving forward. And I want to talk about this theme of moving forward and take a look at Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. It says, but forget all that. It is nothing, this is God speaking, it is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Let's pray. Father, thanks for bringing each of us here today. Thanks so much for this opportunity we've had to already worship you in music and song. And we sense your presence here today through the worship, through our remembering of 9-11. And we pray, Father, that we could just figure out what the next step is for us today on our spiritual journey. Open our minds, open our hearts to what you want to say to us today. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the context of Isaiah chapter 43 is that Israel is in captivity in Egypt. They're away from their home. And they had had victory in war as well as they had been captured into slavery. I mean, so they had some good times and they had some bad. The passage says they needed to forget the good and the bad. God shows his faithfulness and his power in, in this passage in delivering his people from what seemed like an impossible situation. They were being chased by Pharaoh and his armies and the chariots. And they were closing in on them, and they found themselves up against the Red Sea, and they were cornered, and there was no more room to run or hide. It was time to face the enemy. But all of a sudden, the waters opened, and God made a way for his people to be delivered through the dry land where water once was. But the waters, when the chariots and the armies of Pharaoh were there, the waters came crashing in. And it's common for God's people to forget what God has done for them in the past. We forget. We forget how God has worked in the midst of our tough situations. We forget how God brought healing. We forget that He gave us hope. We often forget what God has done. But instead... Like the Israelites, God was saying, Remember what God has done, but forget the offenses of others. Forget the discouragement from our circumstances or our mistakes, which God has already forgiven us of. So, today I want to talk about three things that we need to do to move forward on our spiritual journey. And if you want to take notes, it's in the bullets in there. You can fill in the blanks. Write down anything that you feel like would help you remember and and nail this down. The first thing we need to do in order to move forward on our spiritual journey is stop dwelling on the past. Stop dwelling on the past. Our passage says, forget all of that. The Israelites, they had some, some victories and they had some defeats in their past. But God comes along and says, stop dwelling on the past. Forget all of that. In order to move forward, we cannot wallow in the past. We cannot dwell on the past. We cannot hang on to the past defeats. We cannot live off of our past victories. We cannot always look to the past. Now, we need to learn our lessons from the past. We need to receive God's forgiveness from the past. We need to make amends to those we have hurt in our past. We need to change our patterns or our lifestyles. But we cannot keep looking to the past. We cannot focus on the past. We cannot fixate on the past. We need to stop dwelling on the past. So the way you're going to do that, is you're going to deal with your past in an appropriate way. You're going to figure it out. You're going to learn from it. You're going to take responsibility for the things that you need to. You're going to quit blaming other people, and you're going to stop dwelling on that. Jesus talked about this in Luke 9, 62. But Jesus told them, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. It's an agriculture analogy. The oxen were, were strapped to the plow for the ground to be mixed up. And there was a handle on the plow. And Jesus was saying, if you're a farmer, the way you're going to be successful in plowing your field, getting it ready for crops, was they focused on, the, on, on a point out in the distance, And they put their hands on the plow, and they focused on that spot, and they moved their oxen to that spot. Jesus says if you put your hand to the plow, but you're looking back, you're going to go off course. You're going to swerve. You're not going to plow the field successfully. A modern version of this scripture might use analogy about being distracted while we're walking and looking at our phones. Have you, have you ever seen people do that? You're, you're, I'm, sitting at a, I'm sitting at a red light. And I look over. And I'm like, here, deep into it. Maybe they have an earbud. And they're walking. And they're looking at their phone. And I'm like thinking, how in the world are, is a crack a going to come up and going to catch their toe? Because they're not going to see it. There, there's going to be a bike rack, a parking meter, a light post, another person, a street. A they're gonna, they're they're distracted. They're focusing on their phone. You know, not, it's like, are they catching Pokemon goes I don't know. I'm not sure. What are they? What are they doing? You know, the the ones that make me wonder about that. You know, and they're looking and they're move, moving side to side. You know, I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. Familiar. I don't play that. that's a modern version. I mean, if we're looking back at our past, on our spiritual journey, we're not going to be able to move forward the way God wants us to. And so today, the first thing we need to do in order to move forward is stop dwelling on our past. Deal with it. Don't shove it under the rug. But then move forward. The second thing we need to do in order to move forward on our spiritual journey is focus on the future. Focus on the future. Our passage says that God is about to do something new. As a matter of fact, He's already begun it, but we just can't see it. God is doing more under the surface than what we can see above the surface. God is doing more in our hearts than what other people can see. And we need to focus on the future. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. I don't know about you, but I would love for God to reveal His five-year plan to me in my life. Better yet, how about God revealing His ten-year plan for me in my life on my spiritual journey? I I would love that. I would love that. But generally, that's not the way God does it. He has a lamp, and He's lighting our path right in front of our feet. And he's, He's... illuminating what we need to see at this time for this moment so that we can take the next step on our spiritual journey. Do you know what's going to happen in six months on your spiritual journey or a year or five years or ten years? Probably not. Neither do I. But I know what God wants me to do today For my next step, God is revealing that to me by using His Word and using different circumstances and situations and people and services and things in my life. He's using that lamp to light the next step on my spiritual journey. It's not a spotlight. You know one of those big spotlights in a light tower that shoots out into the ocean? To warn the ships that there's, there's rocks and land coming. Oh, I want the spotlight. I want my past to be lit up. But it's a lamp. It's a light. So that I can take that next step. And we use that phrase around here a lot. Next step or next steps. What is your next step on your spiritual journey? And I have hope for my future as a follower of Christ. I have hope for us as a church. If we focus on the future, God will reveal to me what my next step is in my spiritual journey. As a church, if we focus on what our next step is for our spiritual journey as a church, He will reveal that to us. I believe our church and community are strategically aligned and placed together for such a time as this. I believe it is not an accident that Stapleton Fellowship Church is in Hangar 61, right here in the heart of North northeast Denver. I believe that God is ready and already begun doing a good work in us, for us, and through us. Focus on the future We can move forward in our spiritual journey individually and as a church. I'm asking for people here at Stapleton Fellowship Church, if you call this your home church, I would love for you to no longer be a spectator, to be a casual observer or a curious bystander. I would like for you to join us as we focus on the future and step up to be an active participant and fully engage in the next steps that God has for you individually as well as for us as a church. These days, our search for a lead pastor is always on my mind, and maybe it's on your mind often. And I wanted to give you a brief update this morning, I talked to our chairman of the search committee and our lead elder. There's more going on than what I even realized. They've been working with the P3 organization and they've been actively and aggressively interviewing candidates in an initial round. And now, tomorrow night, they have their next meeting and interview and think, and it begins round two. And so they're narrowing things down and they're grooming things and they're praying about things. And they would ask you to continue to pray, to continue to stay united, to continue to believe the best is yet to come for our church. Do we need a lead pastor? Yes. We all want a lead pastor. It's been 15 months. And I'm just curious, how many of you would raise your hand in a quick survey and say, I've attended this church longer than 15 months? Would you just, and look around, just look around. I'd say maybe half of this crowd right here has been here longer than 15 months. And maybe half has come to this church for a variety of reasons in the last 15 months. God is still working. God is still doing things that maybe we don't even realize or see. Do we need a lead pastor? Yes. But we need Jesus more. Our lead pastor is not our Savior. Our lead pastor will not do all of the work in ministry in our church and community. Our lead pastor is not somehow going to miraculously solve all our issues. Oh, it's going to put us another step down the spiritual journey for us as a church. Rick Warren is the pastor of Saddleback Church in Southern California in Orange County. Large church, multi-site, thousands of people attend there. Three years ago, Rick and his wife Kay, their young adult son committed suicide. He was, had some borderline mental health issues, and it was an incredibly difficult time for Pastor Rick and his wife Kay. I, I couldn't imagine it. Pastor Rick said, I do not need answers to my questions. It will not bring my son back. What I need is God. We do not need answers for our questions of things in our past, but what we need is God. And we need to focus on the future, individually and as a church. Rick Warren also went on to say, Vision isn't the ability to predict the future, but seeing opportunities in your circumstances. That's good. Vision, vision to see the future and to focus on the future. It comes seeing opportunities in your circumstances. In the midst of Pastor Rick and Kay's heartache, an incredible difficult time, they began to see opportunities in their future. And we need God to do in your life. What do you want God to do in your life? What is God going to do in your life today? What is God going to do for our church today and in the future? Focus on the future. Forget about the past. And number three, the third thing we need to do to move forward is commit yourself to To God's plan. Commit yourself to God's plan. Our passage in Isaiah 43 says, God will make a pathway through the wilderness and bring rivers in the dry land, in the dry wasteland. God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. He puts you on this planet for a reason. It's not an accident. You were not a mistake. You were not an afterthought in His mind. God loves you. God designed you. God created you. And He wants to work in you and through you. But He gives us a choice. Every day we have a choice. Are we going to commit ourselves to God and His plan or not? On Wednesday nights at Turbulence, our student ministry, 6th through 12th graders, we've just begun a series from Pastor Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life. And I've, it's, it's been out for uh, about 14 years. It's sold over 33 million copies. If you i have never read that book i would encourage you to read the purpose driven life by rick warren he's got several new updates updated versions and it's an excellent book that we're digging into on wednesday nights with our students to help them at this crucial point in their life as they're trying to figure out what on earth are they placed here for it's a question that we all need to ask don't we What is our purpose in life? What is God's plan for my life? Is my plan for my life just to have as much fun as I can and to party as much as I can and to have great times and great memories? Is my purpose in life just to make as much money as I can? Is my purpose in life just to gain power or prestige or fame? Or does God have a greater purpose for you and for me in our lives? We need to commit ourselves to God's plan. So the question I ask for you today is, have you placed your faith in Him? Have you made a decision to follow Christ? And are you committed to that plan? There are times when we just wait. And we don't decide. And maybe we kind of pause. Or we're hesitant. Or sometimes we stop. Or sometimes we coast or would go the other direction, but I want to encourage you today to be proactive and make a decision today to live your life for Christ. Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14 says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Jeffrey, the hurdler, he pressed on. And I want to encourage you to keep pressing on and to commit yourself to God's plan for your life. So, I want to end with four possible next steps for you and you can write them down if you want or maybe one of these jumps out at you and you're like that's for me or maybe god is speaking to you about something else but i know that today god has a next step for you for each of us the first that i would suggest is to step across the line of faith step across that line of faith over here on this side of the line is your sin, and over here is your forgiveness. On this side of the line is your unbelief, and on this side is your belief. On this side of the line is your floundering. On this side of the life, you're flourishing. On this side of the line, you're struggling to find uh, a purpose in life. On this side of the line, you're pursuing God's purpose for your life. On this side of the life, you're without Christ in your life. On this side of the line, you have Christ in your life, because you've invited Christ into your life, because you've asked him to forgive you of the sin in your life and you've stepped across that line of faith and maybe today you are here and god is speaking to your heart and you've never stepped across that line of faith you've kind of considered spiritual things and religious things and you've tried to incorporate some church and god things and bible things into your life but maybe today you go i'm I'm gonna just Quit playing with the fringes of being a follower of Christ, but today I'm going to step across that line of faith. And you can do that here, right where you're seated, in your heart and in your mind, and you can pray, and you can simply say, Jesus, come into my life. I need you, and I ask you to forgive me. I want to step across that line of faith. In Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life, Through Christ Jesus, our Lord. There's nothing that you or I can do to earn heaven, to earn salvation. We cannot be good enough. It's a free gift. And God, through his son Jesus, is holding out the gift for each of us. And it's up to us to accept the gift. Would you like to do that today? In your mind, in your heart, say yes. I want to step across that line of faith, pray that prayer, and then come and tell me. Tell your parents, tell your spouse, tell your friends, tell the band, tell somebody what you've done today. Write it on your connection card. Step across that line of faith. The second next step that I ask you to consider is do the things that will help you grow on your spiritual journey like make church attendance a priority and fully engage. A few months ago, I, I read a leadership blog, a Christian leadership blog, and it said from research and statistical analysis that the person who says they love their church attends 12 to 15 times a year. <laughs> the person who loves their church Attends 12 to 15 times a year. Now, I understand that attending church doesn't make you a Christian. My pastor, growing up, he he would say, "Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to Burger King makes you a Whopper." <laughs> All these years later, I remembered that. I re- it, it registered with me as a teenager so church attendance isn't the end all. It isn't the answer, but it will help you. It's one thing that will help you on your spiritual journey. The worship that we experience today with the band. Could have you had that today at home? You could worship by yourself. But there's something special that happens when we come together in a group setting. There's something special that happens. God designed for us to do this thing called life together, to worship together, to come together. In Hebrews 10.25 it says, Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So make church attendance a priority and Fully engage. Number three, the third next step that I'd ask you to consider today is do the things that will help you grow on your spiritual journey like sign up and participate in a community group. We have catalogs with community groups. They're beginning a week from today, the the week of September 18th. There are small groups that meet in different homes around the community on a weekly basis, some get together and have discussion about the, the message from the previous Sunday or Tuesday. Some watch special vi- Thursday morning group that's watching a Tony Dungy video series. The NFL uh, former Super Bowl winning coach Tony Dungy. On Saturdays, there's a women's group that's meeting that's digging into a video series by an excellent teacher, Priscilla Shire. I know that on Monday nights, there's an interesting group. They meet every other week in a community group discussion, and on the other two weeks, they're actually serving dinner at the Denver Rescue Mission. There's a group that Ariel Myers, our director of children's ministries, is hosting at her apartment for young professionals. There's other adult groups. There's one for families with young children that's got openings on Tuesday nights. And there's a general group on Wednesday nights. If you have questions about it or not sure which group might be a good fit for you, feel free to talk to myself or, or Pastor Barry or, or jot a note or send me an email. Because you you may have heard us say we're trying to get you out of the rows and into circles because circles are better than rows. Circles allow us to do life together. And we believe the friendship, support, accountability that you receive from actively participating in a community group will help you grow on your spiritual journey. You may be aware of our friend from our church named Dale Austin and how he's passed away unexpectedly in the prime of his life. His wife, Lori, of five years, she's given me permission to share a little bit about how their community groups have helped her in this time. Dale and Lori were a part of a community group. And Lori has been a part of a couple of women's community groups. And the support that she has had from the church, and particularly the support from her community group, has been tremendous. And she's given given me permission to share this, and I quote her as she speaks of her community group. I wouldn't have made it this far without their support and their prayers, and also the many other members of the church who have lifted me up in prayer and encouragement with texts and meals. Thank them from the bottom of my heart, I'm so grateful. I know that a person in her community group, as soon as she got word, began immediately reaching out and letting, letting her know that she's available for whatever she needs and she's praying and supporting. I know another member of the community group immediately got on on the line and, and be, set up an online meal train from a, a, an, an online app that, that's on the Stapleton Fellowship Church Facebook page where church members have signed up or can sign up to bring Lori meals and her family as they come in. You can see the details of Dale's memorial service in the bulletin. It's going to be this Saturday. I mean, what would they do? What would Lori do without the support of a community group? I mean, talk about doing life together. That means that as a community group, you're there for each other and you begin to get to know people and and you are there in the good times and in the bad, and, and you're there to engage and get involved. And, and I'd encourage you to step out of your comfort zone and, and check out that catalog and sign up for a community group and participate. In Acts 4, 2.42, this talks about a community group in the early church. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. The final next step that I'd share today is to recommit your life to Christ today may be your day. Maybe in the past, you've asked Christ into your life. You've identified yourself as a follower of Christ. You said, I want to be a Christian. I want to live for Christ. But somewhere along the way, you ran into a hurdle and you hit the ground and you're struggling and you're floundering and you're going through a difficult time. Maybe today is the day that you recommit yourself to focusing on the future and moving forward. And you Ask God to lift you up because you're hurt and you're in the wilderness and you're going through some dry times in your spirit day. That you say, enough floundering, enough struggling, enough coasting, enough doing my own thing, but today I'm going to recommit my life to Christ and I'm going to move forward. Is that the day for you? Is that the next step for you? You can do that right here, right now, in your mind, in your heart. You can just pray a prayer, God, I recommit my life to you. Help me. Our passage says, but forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do, for I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. The Message Bible translates our verse this way. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert. Rivers in the badlands. God wants you as an individual and us as a church to move forward. Bow your heads with me. What next step has God spoken to you about today? Maybe it's one of these four.